Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name is Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about the America's Cup. Sailing's most prestigious trophy, affectionately known as the Oil Mug, is coming to Barcelona. This is not your typical Sunday regatta. Think Formula One on water, with cutting-edge yachts hydrofoiling above the sea surface at 100 kilometers an hour. Coming up in today's podcast, we'll be hearing from the event CEO and defending champion Grant Dalton of Team New Zealand, and dropping in on two of the challengers, the French and Italian teams, to see how their preparations are coming along. And we travel down the coast from Barcelona to Villanova y la Geltrú for the first preliminary event of this edition of the America's Cup. Joining me today is Killian Shields. Hi Killian. Larkin, how are you? I'm very well. Killian, thank you. How are you? Good stuff. I'm not too bad. Yeah, I'm excited. Excited. The America's Cup is in town already, really. Uh, it is. The, the event is very much here. It's making its uh, presence felt all across Port Vey, the old port. And it's going to be just growing and growing until next year. Next October is when the actual final is. But why Barcelona? It's kind of an interesting process to even end up in a host city, isn't it? Yeah, so, well, why Barcelona? Why? Because Team New Zealand, as the defending champions, they chose Barcelona. Um, Whoever wins the tournament gets to choose where it is held the next edition. And the defending champions are going to automatically be in the final. So they're going to be taking on whichever challenger. They put out a call internationally. They got a few bids and they whittled it down to Barcelona, Malaga and also Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. And ultimately, Barcelona was the choice. So the America's Cup dates all the way back to 1851. Uh, That makes it the oldest international sports competition that is still going today. It's quite a unique format in that the winners, the defenders, they get to decide where the race takes place, when it takes place, and the rules, they can kind of change the rules as, you know, I suppose like the specifications of the boats and stuff like that. So it'll be the 37th edition of the America's Cup. Uh, Official opening ceremony is next August. But, Killian, as I said, it's kind of already underway in a sense. Yeah, I mean, we can see a lot of the fingerprints of the America's Cup already in Barcelona. I mean, all of the teams have already built their bases here at the shore, uh, all located around the Port Vey area. So even if you, if you go down to that area, you can see these huge warehouses with the America's Cup logos on them, the different teams kind of branding. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's already here. And when the America's Cup gets underway proper as well, this is going to be a hub for tens of thousands of spectators because you can actually watch the race. It's a sailing race, but you can see it from the shore. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the idea. That's what they were planning for. Basically, the organizers wanted this to be just a huge festival as much as possible. The races are going to be visible from the shore of Barcelona. But as well as that, there's going to be a huge kind of America's Cup village over in Mol de la Fusta, which is just there right by Port Vey as well. So, yeah, there's lots here already and lots more to come. And it's going to be free. The, the ordinary people will be watching it uh, from the shoreline. And then, you know, if you've got your own private yacht, you can go out and watch it from the sea as well. Coming up a bit later, we're going to hear how you got on, Killian, at the first preliminary regatta, uh, which is taking place just down the coast uh, in Villanova. And then it kind of it's going to build up. There's going to be a preliminary regatta also in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. And next August, a preliminary regatta here in Barcelona, which kind of kicks off the America's Cup proper then. 
Yeah, so from that point, August, September next year, we're also going to see the Challenger Selection Series. Then September, October, we're going to have the Youth and the Women's America's Cup. That's going to be very, very exciting. We're going to have a local team competing there from Barcelona, in fact. Before then, the final event in October 2024, we're going to have the official 37th America's Cup match. And that's just between two sailing teams. One of them we know is going to be New Zealand. They're the defenders. And the other one, the challengers... Well, uh, there's five countries that have put forward teams for this, Gillian. Precisely, yeah. So between France, Italy, UK, the US and Switzerland, they're going to battle it out in August, September next year to be the team to take on New Zealand. We're going to hear now from Grant Dalton. He is the CEO of Team New Zealand and the America's Cup event itself. Killian, you got up with him down in Port Bale here in Barcelona. A windy Port Bale, has to be said, maybe good conditions for sailing, I don't know. And asked him what made him bring the event to Barcelona. As soon as I came here, and, and I've been here before, but not in that sort of capacity looking to run an America's Cup, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be hard to beat. And there's a number of reasons for that. It's a great place to sail. Uh, the port is a key element in terms of creating the atmosphere. The General Etat and the uh, Barcelona Council were united in their wish to have it, along with tourism. Uh, the numbers were right, and they could do it in time. Now, we could have possibly got, you know, done better financially in other places, but, but all the pieces came together. And the other important point is that is that just that single word, Barcelona. You know... You say the America's Cup is in Barcelona and it instantly is recognisable. And I can tell you, you know, because you, you make these decisions and you just, you know, you hope you're right, you're not necessarily sure, but you make the call. It has absolutely been, well, the best call I've ever made in my life, I can tell you, because it has been and is phenomenal. <laughs> I think they agree. Yeah, the tourists, we like them. <laughs> We knew that we needed to leave New Zealand. I think it's the first thing. Because as much as we love it, it's on the wrong side of the world in the wrong hemisphere. And this is not a cheap sport either. So quite early on, we knew we needed to, to take it offshore. Initially, the port said they couldn't have the uh, availability of the land to build your bases until January next year. And we said, well, that's too long. We need to be able to bring the teams earlier. Because the teams were... In one case, Alinghi was ready to move straight away. So the port just moved heaven and earth to get the, the, the sites for the teams ready as quickly as they can. So the first thing is that what happens is when the cup comes to town, it creates impetus for speed of development. So there's a lot happening around the port here. Now, most of it in time would have happened, but this speeds it up because it had to happen straight away. The thing is about the tourist for America's Cup is a higher-end tourist. You know, you don't come for four hours while you're getting on your cruise boat. You come for oh, ten days because you're coming to watch something that happens over a period of time. So you change the profile of the tourist quite a lot. And I know that you know there's a feeling that that of this you know the, the strain that the tourism puts on infrastructure because it's always a very short time. The boats used have come a long way since 1851. So how is the format of the competition defined? We have to be conscious of what the deed of gift says because it's the overriding document. It's a handwritten quill, two pages long. One of the things it says is the boat must be built in the country of origin. 
So anybody that races in the America's Cup has to build their own boat in their country of origin. Then we write a series of rules about, you know, what those boats need to fulfil. And they're quite technical. I mean, you know, they're this sort of long. But what it means is that the boats employ the best technology and, and we're sometimes, you know, we go into a campaign and one of the things we say is there's technology that hasn't even been invented that we're going to use over a three-year period. I mean, they're, they're technically amazing boats. And we have 150 guys and I think 12 of those are sailors. We're a technology t- organisation that goes sailing. And it's a technology racer. The fastest, highest technology will win this event, like Formula One. A team of 150, but only 12 are sailors. What do the rest of them do? About 40 of them are engineers, like tech engineers of design and computer graphic, computer modelling, CFD, flow, AI. Uh, about 45 of them are builders that build the boat. We have our own yard. Then there's a bunch of shore crew that look after the look after the boats and sort of maintain and then you've got your you know the office staff we got I mean there's a lot of lawyers involved in this game right because they've got billionaires and they only know one way right it's kill or be killed so yeah, we've got a few lawyers so it all slowly adds up to about 150 kill or be killed this is serious stuff Killian it's a serious competition I mean they've been fighting over this trophy since 1851 mm, the old mug yeah well, I said earlier on, it's a bit like Formula One on the water. And actually, like a couple it, of... Literally. <laughs> it's, it's not just a... a nice it's thing not to just say, a joke like, of a comparison. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Two of the teams actually competing in this America's Cup have like Formula One teams as well. Precisely. Ineos uh, with Team UK and Red Bull Racing with Switzerland. I suppose unlike Formula One, it's not maybe always 100% clear where the course is and stuff. You know, we are talking about boats out in the water. Exactly. And the conditions. The conditions is what really kind of like separates it. You can't like design the road that you're going to be driving on. It's not like that at all. You've got wind, you've got water. Swell. Exactly. So one thing, if you you end up following this America's Cup event, one thing that you're going to hear a lot about is uh, a statistic called VMG. That means velocity made good. And that is basically why the boats, if you look at them, they'll kind of travel in a diagonal direction. And this is basically because they want to travel the shortest distance at the highest speed possible using the direction of the wind to ultimately get where they want to go. So like otherwise, you could turn more into the wind and go directly to the finishing point, but you could be slower because of the wind. Or otherwise, you could face a bit more away from that. And even though you're moving faster, you're not moving towards your target faster. So VMG is what all of these sailors are aiming for. This is the best combination of the angle with the wind. Okay, we're learning, we're learning the velocity made good. And the start of these races is also kind of interesting, isn't it? That a so-called pre-start. This is hilarious, yeah. Like when I started watching a few races to kind of familiarise myself with this sport, it became pretty clear to me immediately that the race doesn't start when the race starts. The race (laughs) starts before that. So there's a countdown for a couple of minutes before the race actually begins. And it's at this point where the teams are going to be jostling for position. They're going to try and time their entry into the field at the perfect moment, at the perfect velocity, and the perfect position as well. Because once you establish your position, it's pretty hard to overtake. It's significant, yeah, for sure, for sure. And the courses have a windward leg and a leeward leg, so they go out and back between these different marks. And there's also technical rules about positioning and things, which they have to keep to as well. Oh, yeah. 
you have to understand the, the right of way, the rules of right of way. This means that whenever the two boats are in very close proximity, they have to be certain rules established to determine who is allowed to move on ahead and who has to hold back in order to avoid a collision, because obviously no one wants a collision. There's a huge list of stipulations that say, okay, if we're at this part of the boundary or uh, if the stern is ahead of the back of the other one, then a certain boat has the right of way. There are tons of these rules that the sailors have to keep in mind at all times, because otherwise you could get a penalty and that could seriously set you back in the race. So the winner of each leg receives points and the team with the most points at the end of the competition is declared the winner. So two of the teams fighting it out to earn the opportunity to tackle New Zealand in the final race uh, are Italy and France. Emma Monroes caught up with them to find out how the preparations are coming along. Ahead of the first regatta, we got the chance to interview both the Italian and French teams, Luna Rosa Prada Pirelli and Orient Express. The boat that the teams will be using this year is the AC40, which is 40 feet long. Here's Enrico Boltolini and Francesco Bruni from the Luna Rosa Prada Pirelli team. Yeah, right now we have to sail with this AC40 for Villanova and uh, Jeddah. And uh, the America's Cup and the race uh, before the America's Cup is going to be sailed with uh, an AC75, like the last cup. It is a huge boat, it's not one design, mm-hmm. so we are running a, a program of development and um, sailing with another small boat, always a 12 meter, but it's a prototype in Cagliari. There is a, a designing team between 20 and 50 people in other teams. They have like two years to design the new boat. Then the boat uh, gets finally built, in our case is getting built in Italy, and then the boat goes finally in the water. Although this is the oldest international sports competition, and there are some elements from its origins that are maintained, the boats have evolved a lot in recent years. Yeah, it's quite a big jump, big step from, uh, let's say, 2007, the old version 5, until now. Now it's uh, all... Uh, uh, driven by the uh, electronic and uh, hydraulics. It's quite complex compared to the past. Uh, I mean, in 2007 it was, a, let's say, a normal boat, a normal sailing boat with uh, ropes, uh, sheets, and now is a much more complex uh, system. The teams competing have only been here for a few months. Stefan Kandler, the founder and CEO of Orient Express, explains how they are selling into Catalonia and about the competition ahead. Uh, so it has been a lot of work because we started only beginning of July. So in less than a month, uh, we build up the base and we are really starting to sail uh, now. We are in a very nice place for you know enjoying uh, the work and, and being able to sail very quickly on the water. We are probably the last team who has entered the event, so we are also a, a small budget compared to the others. But I think France has a strong uh, experience in sailing and uh, I think we can catch up and that's what we are doing now. We hope to have a very good boat um, and this, this is, will be the most important thing. So I think we will have that very soon. And uh, yeah, we hope to be uh, what we call an outsider of the next America's Cup. Quentin Delapierre, a helmsman in the Orient Express team, explains his team's ambitions. We did this project as a, a French group with a lot of ambition, but we have to do it like step by step. 
uh, we just have to follow the process and keep the, the plan simple and make good working process as a group and I think in 2024 we are able to do so much things uh, we just have to to be smart at every stage of the project. Our thanks to the Luna Rossa and Orient Express teams. Good luck to them. So preparations are ongoing. They're set to continue throughout the year, but the sailing has already begun. Uh, one year out from the main event, excitement is building. Villanova Ilajal True is hosting the first preliminary regatta this weekend. And Gerard Scatchfolk and Killian went along to the opening day. So Gerard, we've made it to Villanova y la Geltrude. We're standing out over the water. Beautiful day, the sun is shining, there's not a cloud in the sky. Uh, but there are some boats in the sea. Yeah, exactly. It looks like sailing boats. We're about half an hour away from the event kicking off here, the races, but you've already got at least two helicopters in the sky. Today is Thursday, so it's the very first day of practice races, and we're here on the beach, and we can see the boats out there whizzing around. It's quite difficult now, from this point of view, to be honest, to see like where the uh, the race boundaries are or what exactly they're trying for. One guy standing in front of us now as well with a pair of binoculars to get a better view. Even some people in the water with their own cameras, expensive-looking cameras, to to get some decent photographs. Hi, my name is Ana Gonzalvo. Hi, my name is Chris. And my name is Guillermo Rodian. So you're all volunteers here at America's Cup in Villanova. Why did you decide to like take part in the event? Because I used to sail since a child and it was nice to see these very speedy boats from close. Uh, because I'm a sailor, I'm from New Zealand and Team New Zealand's going to win. I live just up the coast in Garraf. Uh, with my wife, so very close to here, and uh, I love the America's Cup, and I saw the opportunity to be a volunteer, and I thought, yes, I'll do that. I'm a sailor too, I do have a boat, and moreover, I'm from Villanova, so I wanted to see that as close as possible and, and leave uh, the action. How do you feel? Do you feel proud of hosting this event? Well, Villanova is one of the best cities of the world, so, <laughs> so yes, I think the conditions are very nice, I think it's uh, quite particular that you see the beach here, you can see the race from the beach. And for the people, I think it's nice to have the screens that then you can see close the images. So you can have the big picture from the sea and the closer from the screens. So I guess it's a good setup. We decided to be volunteers in water and tomorrow we will be with the marshals close to the boats. So tomorrow we'll be on the boats putting out the marker boys and marshalling all the spectator fleet to make sure that they don't get mixed up with the racing boats. And of course they get to sit on their boat and drink a gin and tonic while they're watching the racing. <laughs> so definitely some enthusiasts out here, but a lot of people, a lot of people just chilling, a lot of people just enjoying the sunny weather and the yeah. beach. Well, like, what would you do on like mid-September on a Thursday afternoon if not? It's a pretty good life to be fair. We have come here specifically for this. We have a mate who is sailing obsessed. 
He's a New Zealander. He's particularly keen on the, uh, on the Kiwi team. And he's dragged us all down here for a four-day extravaganza. And obviously we're here to support Ben and the Ineos boat. So we've been watching them out on the water this afternoon, which is great. It's great to see how fast the boats go because you don't really get that appreciation when you watch it on the TV screen. So actually seeing it live um, is much more exciting when you really see how fast they go. So keen for tomorrow when the real racing starts. Absolutely. We've seen as, as much practice as we need to see now. Um, we're going, going home for a drink. Calamari, rosé. Um, some, some more of that bonito fish. Um, and, um, oh, and, just and some camaraderie and... and a good bit of sailing action. Yeah. Now, the America's Cup is said to have a huge impact on the Catalan economy. The general director of the Barcelona Capital Nautica Foundation, Ignacy Armengol, claimed that the event will have an economic impact of 1.2 billion euro to the local economy and generate 18,000 jobs. But, Killian, as always with these kind of huge events, there are concerns about the impact it'll have on locals. Yeah, precisely. And there's already some talk, really, that the America's Cup, even though it's really taking off next year, there's already some talk that it's already having a sort of a distortive effect on the local uh, rental market as well and in housing here. Each team is going to be basically a small village all moving to Barcelona. We've already seen some neighbourhood associations come out and announce that they're not happy with this. They want to reject this America's Cup. It's for these kind of uh, knock-on effects that, that it has. There's also a lot of fear among these groups that the sporting event could lead to a sort of collapse of the public transport system and public spaces being filled up. Kind of like similar arguments that we hear about mass tourism really every every summer. Legacy is always a buzzword when it comes to these events that kind of come and then go again. Yes, exactly. That's one thing that Grant Dalton was insisting was on the America's Cup agenda when I asked him about it. He was explaining to me that they are really interested in leaving a lasting legacy, especially for the sport here. But another aspect of the legacy, actually, of the America's Cup is it's quite interesting, is the fact that the event has signed a collaborative agreement with the Catalan government so that any innovations regarding hydrogen uh, that are come up with within the framework of the America's Cup, they're going to be propriety of the Catalan government. So this is something that could really have a lasting impact. That could be quite interesting. Well, if you want to get in the mood for the America's Cup, well, one option, if you're listening to this just as we publish this, is get yourself to Villanova this weekend. But if you don't make that... There's also an America's Cup Experience Museum, which is opened in Barcelona, Killian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had the chance to go down to this uh, in one of its opening days. It was really cool. They kind of invited a few of us journalists along. And yeah, it's quite interesting. It's in the old IMAX cinema in Barcelona. It's one of the biggest cinema screens that they have there to show the official film of the event. Uh, one of the biggest screens in all of Europe. But as well as that, they've got like various different free exhibition spaces. So there's a paid element and there's also a free element. So you can go and kind of learn who the teams are, a little bit about the equipment that they use. You can see some parts of the history of the event as well. And yes, uh, soon they'll also have open uh, a simulator. It wasn't open when I got to go there, but it sounds quite interesting of a sort of a simulation of being in one of these boats. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Killian? Am bonamar totom es marine. Uh, with a good sea, everyone's a sailor. Yeah, that's exactly it. 
nice one I like it uh, so yeah I suppose it means um, if the conditions are right anyone can succeed at whatever that's, the thing in question is exactly yeah that's what I think it's like life is easy when uh, when the going is good and bon amar to Tom is marine and that's us for today thanks very much for listening thanks again to everyone who spoke to us this week uh, thanks to you Killian thanks for having me Lorcan we're back again next weekend with another episode of Filling the Sink until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adieu.